Thank you for joining us today for the Osage Language and Culture podcast. I'm your host, Tom Ashmore, and I'm here today with my co-host, Abby Mishankashe. Today's episode is going to focus on food sovereignty initiatives and some things that are happening right now here at the Osage Nation. So we're going to get to talk to a very, very special guest, um, Mrs. Jan Heyman. And uh, she's doing a lot of great work out there at the Harvest Land. I think I've said before that every time I go out there, you guys look like you're really enjoying yourselves and that you're enjoying the work that you're doing. And it's so important, literally feeding the nation. And um, and every time I leave there, I leave with food, which is always a really exciting thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the Osage way. Uh, we like to feed our people and uh, we're big eaters ourselves. So I'm glad that you could be out there and experience that and all that we have to offer. Um, so also we'll have a short language lesson uh, segment with uh, Osage language teachers, Mr. Christopher Cote and Mrs. Selena Noeer. Then we're going to wrap everything up with Mr. OJ Littlecook who's going to be singing us uh, a Nose Age song. So with no further ado, let's get started. Wajaji. The official language and culture podcast for the Osage Nation. Hello, Osage people. It's a good day to be in the Osage. Today we're going to have a discussion with some friends and talk about some very interesting topics and issues involving the Osage Nation. Jaje Wita, Tom Ashmore, I'm your host today, alongside me with Abby Mashankashe, my co-host, and our very special guest, Mrs. Jan Heyman. Hi, Jan. And she is our director out at the Harvest Land and the Department of Natural Resources. And so with no further ado, let's introduce our guest. Jan, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be where you're at right now. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. A little bit about my background is I grew up um, in Skytook. I graduated from Skytook and went to Oklahoma State University where I got my bachelor's and master's in agriculture. I started with the Osage Nation in 2006. So um, I'm coming up on my 15-year anniversary with the Osage Nation. Um, I started with the Osage Nation as a natural resource specialist. And when our previous director retired, I applied and moved up to be the director. A little bit about what the Osage Nation Department of Natural Resources does, and I I guess maybe a little bit of background on how the Harvest Land kind of came in to be part of the DNR department. Um, The uh, chief called me, um, I want to say about a year and a half ago, and was asking about um, 
kind of land management, agriculture, land, land management initiatives and asked me if that made sense for it to go into the Department of Natural Resources. Um, so through that conversation, I said it to me, it does make sense um, whether you're managing your land for agriculture or for wildlife. Um, it's all kind of combined into uh, natural resources and land management. So the decision was made to uh, merge what was previously Bird Creek Farm into the Department of Natural Resources. And uh, then with the CARES federal funding, uh, we were able to develop the farm to be the new harvest land farm and develop the butcher house meat. So it's a really quick rundown <laughs> breaking is kind of where I am today. But I think that's kind of how it happened, right? It was really mm-hmm. quick. It was you guys quick. did not mess around once you got the ask. Something that Tom has shared previously was, um, well, first of all, we have already had a discussion about how much fun you guys have out there. Like you guys have a, everyone really seems to really love their jobs. Um, but also, can you guys, both of you, since Tom works there, can you talk a little bit about what that was like creating these two incredible facilities in the middle of a pandemic um, you know, you guys were essential workers in all in like the most sincere sense of that word because you were making food for for people whenever there was a huge food desert happening. So what what was that like for you emotionally, physically? Just what was that experience like? Are you sure we can, you know, keep this on one episode or, you know? <laughs> no, no, that that's a really good uh question. Um I mean, so essentially we're still in the middle of it and in a very short answer, we're still getting off the ground with everything. But from an employee's standpoint, from my standpoint, um, you know, it really ramped up our work. We we never stopped. We never slowed down. You know, it was like when the, t- when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I mean, that really applies to what we're doing out there. And, and the ball has just been gaining, you know, momentum, rolling, 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 rolling. Mm-hmm. So... So uh, it's it's been hard at times, but also it's been really fun. Like you said, it's been a blessing. We're we're sort of you know heading the way and and helping provide for our people, and so that's been a really really um, big blessing and awesome to be a part of. You know, um, just knowing that. So mm-hmm. from an employee standpoint, it's been good. It's been hard but worth it very very much worth it and and the experiences experiences that we're all gaining the new you know the new challenges it have been something that's been helping us all grow and so that's my side of it yeah from my perspective um and i agree with everything that tom said i think the biggest challenge was for the development under cares was it had to be done by the end of 2020 so we were really fast and furious and coming up on that deadline. So it was, uh, I mean, it really wasn't all hands on deck. It took every spare moment from everybody in our office to, to meet that goal. Um, and then once we met that goal, then we started, you know, with production in the greenhouse and, um, outdoor farming and, and it's still, it's every all hands on deck. It still continues that way. But um, we've got such a great group of people. So everybody works so good together. And I think, um, you know, I kind of joke about, you know, when when things get stressful, you kind of laugh or cry. And I think our group laughs. We, um, you know, just kind of make light of it. And it really builds camaraderie. And we've got just such a great team. If we didn't have the team, I don't think it would have happened. we wouldn't have met the deadlines. You can see it. Like, you know, I, it's something I've definitely observed is 
there's certainly a team feel. So in addition to growing food, you guys are, are providing that and also teaching classes. Can you talk a little bit about some of the classes that are being taught and how the food's getting distributed around the nation? We've had three classes so far. Um, I'm trying to remember them. There was a hydroponics class, an herb garden class, and a terrarium, I think. Right. Um, so that's the first three. And we intend on having more. And we've had some really good turnout with that. We've had a lot of good feedback. Um, and it teaches people, but it gives them the opportunity to come to the farm and see what's happening. So they can actually get into the greenhouse and um, kind of see on the on the ground what we're doing. Um, our priorities right now are... Uh, to the Wajaji Early Learning Academies um, and the Title VI Nutrition Facilities, um, the two elder nutrition programs. Um, so we provide a lot of the produce there, and then we just started the farmer's markets. So we've had two farmer's markets, and those have both been well attended, um, and we plan on continuing to have farmer's markets. We're, we're starting to get enough produce that we can have that available to any community member. And... Butcher House, they're crushing it. I mean, they have prepackaged, frozen, fresh. Um, it feels like that was a specific area of need was there was nowhere to get meat in on the Osage Reservation. I know Chief has talked multiple times how that came to happen was um, Casey Johnson came in and said, Chief, we don't have any meat. The kids can't access any meat. And that's kind of how, from my understanding, how the Butcher House, is that about right? Yes, that is correct. Well, it's incredible what you guys have done. Um, and what are you looking forward to in the future? For me, I think one of the exciting things is we're really trying to find a way to get the produce and the meat out to the bigger community. So we're um, looking at a mobile grocery store, um, even if it's just something as simple as taking the farmer's markets to other areas in the um, in the county and community. But we want to get um, the produce farther than just um, one location and the meat, too. So we want to expand that. So I think that's one exciting thing that we're working on and you know this farmer's market is sort of like a a little um precursor to that like we're uh, our ability to get it out get it out to people on on a consistent basis and so we're starting that and that, to me that's that's been exciting so far and um and i'm glad you brought that up because uh we're actively working on not only having fresh produce but jams jellies dehydrated um products you know things like that that can much more easily be shipped. Yeah, and, and have a, a shelf life, you know, yes. so that takes mm -hmm. us into that category. So that's exciting. Super exciting. This episode is really focused on food sovereignty. And I think that that pretty much wraps up exactly what you guys are doing. You know, it's hard to be uh, at all optimistic about anything the pandemic has done for anybody, but this definitely has had, has had an optimistic um, outcome to it and, and potential optimistic outcome to to the pandemic which has affected us all yeah so greatly and and realistically if it wasn't i'm not saying the pandemic is a great thing by any means but if it wasn't for those cares funds we would not have the infrastructure um that we have now we as a tribe we just didn't have the means to do that so they've mm -hmm. uh through those funds we've been able to establish really a pretty significant foundation in food sovereignty Fantastic. Do we we want to move into the lightning round with Jan? Yeah. Let's this is what we call our lightning round. So they're just quick questions and uh, you know, feel free to give a quick response as well. So no pressure. 
Uh, let's start out. Let's start out here. So first question, Jan. What is your favorite traditional Osage food? I am a grape dumpling girl. Yes. It's hard to argue that. It's hard to argue, that. it's hard to argue that. Every time it's like, yes, that was a good <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next question. Name an Osage elder, alive or passed on, who has been influential in your life. I'd say for me, um, my grandmother, she has uh, supported me every moment of the way. I, I'm also a... Uh, a musician. I play the piano. So she was my music teacher starting when I was five years old. And, um, as this is carried through, she, uh, supported my agricultural, um, life and my education. So I'd say it was my grandmother. Okay. So next question, uh, share a book recommendation about or surrounding the Osage culture. That one's tough. I think for me right now, um, kind of a significant book is, uh, Gene Dennison's book, um, and the title is leaving me right now, but uh, I'm working on my uh, dissertation right now. I'm working on my doctoral degree, and I use that book um, along with uh, the help of Alex Redcorn. In uh, she talks about entanglements, and so that has really um, kind of given me a foundation for my dissertation, talking about you know food sovereignty. Um, the agricultural systems, you know, the entanglements that Osage people face in today's world. So that's that's been an influential book for me. I cannot believe you're getting your PhD right now with everything else you're doing. Wow. Congratulations. Way to go. Congratulations and good luck. Thank you. I'm supposed to be buttoning it up right now. So hopefully in the next short time, I'll be finished. Wow. That's exciting. Well, the last lightning round question is, what is your favorite thing about being Osage? Well, I think the easy answer is the food. I'm I'm a food, food person. I'll second that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to interrupt there. But. Again, good one. <laughs> there's good a lot answer. of good cooks. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, there's there's so many things that I, I like about being Osage. And um, I, I guess for me, it's just kind of... Um, in my position, I'd say, um, thinking about where we were as a people and where we are now, just kind of connecting those agricultural systems. I think, um, I guess just being an employee of the Osage Nation and being able to do what I'm doing for our people um, is just amazing. So I think just being able to be um, in a position that creates these systems that benefit our people um, is pretty humbling and that's for me right now. Just, I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's a lovely way to end. And also, thank you so much, Jan. This was great. Um, PhD, piano, all things I didn't know about you. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, thank you for having me. Great. Well, people can find out more about farmers markets upcoming. They can go get meat at the, the butcher house. Follow Osage Nation on social media and find out for times and locations. And yeah, come. Come eat Osage food. Welcome, everybody, to today's language lesson. We're joined with Mrs. Selena Noyer and Mr. Christopher Cote. 
because today's episode focuses on food sovereignty, Chris and Selena have each selected a couple of words to focus on the topic of food. So uh, I would like to begin with Selena, and um, would, if you could, would you start us off and just give us uh, your first word and we'll get into it. Hi, Tom. Good to see you guys again. Um, the word, one of the words, the first word that I've chosen is Sue. Sue, which means seed. And obviously we're talking about, you know, the food sovereignty initiatives and the current things that are happening. And, you know, just so that everyone remembers that we are all human beings <laughs> that used to live a long time ago and had to plant things and not buy them at stores. So that used to happen. And I do know that seeds are very, very important to our culture in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways that I know for me personally that I think about seeds are when I think about acorns and I think about the creation story. So I think about uh, the way that it was explained to me and the importance of seeds when it comes to that was whenever we turned into human beings and then we were able to land or to come down when we got in those red oak trees and we shook around, they shook around, they moved because we, you know, put our weight on them. Then those little acorns went onto the ground and then there were, you know, a representation of the future generations of Osages to come is how I, that was explained to just me by my grandfather. So um, I don't want to speak for the whole tribe, but that's how it was explained to me. Um, I know in our, Chris and myself in our clan, that is a name, uh, that we have a name that represents, you know, the importance of acorns. Bisu. Bisu. There we go. Second son, right? Second son name. I'm yeah. About 100% for sure. Second son, little boy name. So, um, you know, oftentimes in our, if you just look at a list of Osage names, you're going to find the important things in our culture. You're going to find different things like that. Mm -hmm. It's just fascinating how it all can tie together. Mm -hmm. how it all ties together. And it's, you know, so the word Sioux, what they're doing out there at the Harvest Land, they are working with seeds, you know, seed preservation. There are some tribes that that is a huge thing for them where they go and they preserve the seeds from their ancestors and they do things like that. It's something that I'm wanting to learn about, you know, on my non-Osage side. Uh, I've come from a lot of people that know how to farm and do stuff and, and grow things. So I'm excited to learn more about this with all of the happenings that come. Yeah. My my relatives, uh, I got red corn, hapajite, and uh, they got their own seed, and and that was that's heirloom seed, that's Osage red corn, and so that's really big with us. We man um, went out there one time to help shut corn, so that's a uh, Sue, yeah. And my other, the second word that I wanted to talk about, you know, it just goes back into the, the planning part of it is the word for root, which is Jean Gong. Sorry, put those nasals in there. Yeah. And that is the word for root. And I'm going to let uh, Wakonze Christopher talk a little bit more about that. Jean Gong. Jean is tree. Gong is uh, generically. Is a cord. Uh, it gets used for things like for bow, string, e the veins or muscles. So, and and there's a little more to that word. I, uh, but for now, strictly speaking, Jean Gong, 
Jean-Con. You're talking about that cord of the tree. And what they, they serve as is they harness the energy from the mother and they take the rain that comes from the father and it, and it, and it grows from that. And so that's the purpose of the roots. And it all starts from just a little seed. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I like to start a little further down the process. Once, once it grows, uh, you're getting past it being a, a, just a little sprout. And then it's something that's ready to be eaten. And that's called owe. Owe. And the etymology of that word really comes back to ke for dig. Ke. And it, it's owe. So food, produce, literally means something you dig for. So owe, that's their food. Uh, that's not prepared, but it is ripe and ready to eat. Um, also means garden. Um, but once you take that owe, you take it to the kitchen and uh, you prep it and everything, and then you set it on the plate and you put it out on the table, it becomes, it goes from owe to o nombre, o nombre. So that, that's food, cooked food. It also means meal, and uh, I could tell you I've I've enjoyed a, a handful of onombre myself. Yes, and I've been lucky enough to um, be a committee cook for the Wahakali district for nine years, and I want to say it might not have been all nine years, but a lot of them we were able to get away from Harvest Land, and we were able to prepare that for our committee people. I know that. My son is able to learn about gardening at Deposco Onkodapi, and he's also able to eat the fresh produce that's produced there. Yeah. The work that we're doing uh, towards food sovereignty is really impressive. You know, we're creating something that's going to sustain us as a people as a whole. So really exciting things going on with that. Yeah, those are those are great words. And to tie them back into... Uh the name for the farm that uh, we have here at the Osage Nation, the Osage Nation-owned farm, Waposhka Owe Mahajan, which is one of um, Chris's words there. Yeah. Well, you know, just that that name, Waposhka Owe Mahajan. So Waposhka, that's uh, to harvest. Owe, that's your, your garden. And then Mahajan. So, owe manjan. Manjan means land, but owe manjan, that's a farm. So, a harvesting land, a land of harvest. Yes. Th- thank you for, for that um, for that description. Declare that up for some people. You know, it's, it's one thing to pronounce some of these words. I know that's the first step, and, and to hear them and hear them be, you know, hear, hear be spoken correctly. and. Uh, so that's good to hear, uh, to break it down for people to understand what it actually means. Because it can just sometimes just sound like one big, just like blah. And, you know, it's it's hard when you don't know the language, it can sound like it's all connected and you don't know what to pick from it. So thank you for that description, Chris. Yeah. You know, that's very common with uh, people who are first learning uh, any language, uh, not just Osage. Uh, you're hearing new sounds, they're new patterns, you're unfamiliar with them. So you don't hear the ends of words. You don't hear the beginning of words. It just sounds like it runs together. 
and it's a good thing to point out that there are people, um, if you place yourself in traditional and cultural settings, you're going to be able to pick up on those sounds better. Mm-hmm. So the more events that you can attend and the more things that you go to where language is spoken, you're going to be able to pick up the sounds better. And mm-hmm. But also in the same breath, a thing that I like to reiterate in orthography class when I'm laying foundations is that we don't get discouraged if someone can make sounds better than the other next person. Um, I've been hearing sounds made like this since I was in my mother's stomach, and probably so were the peop- all of the people in this room, to be honest. And so it's just... It's something that you should never get discouraged about. So, mm-hmm. if- right, and you know, for those people that um, may not live here, I just like to to voice out that there's, uh, you know, we have language lessons and classes online, and you can you can reach them directly by visiting osageculture.com and sort of get your foot in the door if you feel sort of disconnected. Um, to to any kind of words or, you know, and the, and the culture and the words are tied together. So you're going to get both of those there um, by just learning the words, you know, feel more connected to it. So I just like to say that much. Um, with no further ado, thank you, Chris and Selena, for being here um, and talking to us once again. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so we're joined here again with OJ, Little Cook. We are going to be discussing and listening to the Osage Flag Song. The Osage Flag Song was made by Ponca Tribal Singers. And from my understanding, it belonged to a family or an individual over in uh, Ponca country. And it was brought, I believe, by Lamont Brown... And I believe first to the Harmony District, they were having a dance, in, which was around early 60s, 1960s, when it was brought, the Osage Flag Song. And originally, when it was brought, it has what we call a soldier dance beat. And sometime after, um, they we started using this song, I believe it was Morris Lookout that puts the what we call the slow beat uh, to this song and it basically just talks about the veterans the flag and having respect for the flag and for the efforts of our uh, for their war efforts um, so that's kind of what the uh, the song is talking about Um. The words are Nuda Nuda Hyama Hyama Awa Lele which is Awa Lele is talking about the flag. Nuda Hyama is talking about the veterans. Dehe Giape was like the uh talking about the respect, deep respect. Then it says again Nuda Noji Gidape is basically like saying something representing um, our war efforts, something along those lines. Then it says again, Nuda Hiyama, talking about the veterans. Ekan uh, Tsiape, and it's 
what you say is true, something along those lines. So that's kind of just a general gist of the uh, the flag song. That's excellent. Yeah, that's um, a lot of info, a lot of important information, history. Uh, thank you so much for that explanation there. So uh, again, with no further ado, let's let's get into the flag song. Wait, mana. that's it you guys for today's episode uh we'd like to thank all of our guests that are here with us today for taking the time out of their busy busy lives and coming in sitting down with us and having a a chat Um, and of course our listeners for tuning in um very much appreciate you guys for listening uh you know we're hope we're just our goal is we hope you guys are able to take away some knowledge um, we hope you're able to gain some insight on, on what we're doing and educate yourselves on our uh, Wajaji ways. So um, with that, I'd like to leave you guys. This podcast is written and recorded at the Osage Nation Audio Room in Pahuska, Oklahoma, and produced by KRSC-FM on the Rogers State Campus in Claremore, Oklahoma. The song you heard in our intro was provided by Indian House Records in Taos, New Mexico. 
Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wei Wina.